0: I want to be smooth and 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 I want to be
1: I want to be smooth and 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 I want to be Hello and welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am with Martin Sicky yet again, Willis.
2: (laughs) Yet again, yes. Yes, well, I am ready for like winter to go away and uh, this to go away at the same time. I should be. Enough is enough.
1: Yeah, quit getting sick, dude. I know. Uh, So it was – because the conference was all, ended about a month ago. You got sick there, which I understand a lot of people did. Actually, people were sick right. like crazy in Arizona. But everybody's over it. They've been sick for like <laughs> a long time. I got back from my trip last week and everybody's better And except for you. You're sick again.
2: Well, bronchitis and then I got another head cold somehow. And I'm not in a place where I'm surrounded by people here uh-huh. in Maine. You know, I'm in Maine, so – um, I'm really surprised. I don't know who the heck I caught it from, but I will hunt them down.
1: E- is it yeah. is it because it's really cold out there, too? I mean, has it been really cold? No. Well,
2: not for Maine. It's been pretty nice. But, yeah, yeah it's cold, much colder than um, Arizona for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. It's been so nice. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. Uh, it's been... 80s, you know, uh, just perfect out here. This is the reason, you know, people love to be in Arizona, just like it was during the conference. It's like perfect, which is great. But, you know, it's going to inch up here in a month or two. It will start to get uncomfortable. But at least for now, it's great. The weather was the same uh, on my cruise.
2: Wow. I know. Lucky you. You got to go all kinds of places. That's wonderful.
1: Mexico, Belize, Honduras. But I like to share it. So I have some videos and pictures on my Facebook for people to go check out uh, uh, to share in the the fun that I had. But yeah, it was really cool. But I apologize in a way that I didn't have a show. Uh, I say I apologize, (laughs) but I really have no remorse whatsoever that uh, (laughs) I would rather be at the beach right now. Yeah. I I got you. I I miss the beach. I I don't know what's wrong with me, Martin. I, I just like... I'm addicted to the beach and now that I've left it I want I just all I can think about is beach.
2: Well, you know, California might have that big one and if so, you know, Phoenix could be oceanfront. You never know.
1: That's a good point. Hang in there. Yeah,
2: I would for another yeah. 10,000 years. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens. So I guess we should get onto the UFO stuff. That oh, before we're doing we here. do. Oh yeah, I yeah. Just, yeah. I'd like to announce
2: um for any of the uh listeners out there that I'm actually doing a little fundraiser and uh, and you said you'd be kind enough to link it in the notes of this podcast and that is for cancer for kids so I'm I don't have like tons of hair but I'm shaving myself bald in honor of uh, a family member um, who passed away a can of cancer as a child and also um, just for kids with cancer it's a great benefits called buzz off uh, one mission you can see that online um, and uh, the major, you know how some charities, not all the proceeds go, almost all the proceeds go except for administration fees right directly to the kids and their families. So anyway, you can see that I'm shaving my head. April 13th, I'm going to do it live on, uh, I'm going to do a, a video of it. And um, anyway, I'd appreciate it if anyone wants to help out with the cause, all the money goes to the kids with cancer and not me, of course. It's linked right on my website as well.
1: Are you going to do this video on YouTube that you'll be able to share with people?
2: Oh God, I guess I will. That's probably what I should do.
1: Or it'll be on Facebook or something, right? Yeah. I'll put it on my YouTube channel. Probably. That's a good idea. Yeah. I will repost that for sure. I hope I have
2: one of those heads that, you know, work for being bald. Oh, you don't
1: know, huh? I have
2: absolutely no idea. And I've heard you can simulate, simulate it somehow, Hmm. but, uh, I don't know. I'm just gonna just go ho- for it. I mean, if you're, do, yeah, if you're gonna
1: yeah, if you're gonna do it anyway, and hopefully your your skull isn't lopsided or something. <laughs> Very well, could be. <laughs> but if it is, the exciting thing is, then people will purport that you you have some sort of alien origins. I'll be talking about the True. new alien skull is Martin's skull.
2: Yeah, I'll be like the Star Child.
1: Yeah, or something you never yeah, know. It might have
2: exactly. a conical thing going on there.
1: Yeah, I'm interested In this- to
2: see hidden by this massive hair I
1: have. Yeah, that'll be mm-hmm. cool to see what anomalies exist in the shape of your skull. <laughs> I so, on it. Yeah. I, I, so my guest for today, moving on. Oh, by the way, I should say that is so awesome that you're doing this, by the way. Uh, I love Thank to you. support charities and stuff, and I don't do it enough. So more than happy to do what I can to help spread the word. So this is this is really cool. Great. Thank you. Uh so my guest today, by the way, is Erica Lukes and we're gonna be talking about uh she was up until recently the state director for Utah and they've got this great case. So I remember when it happened they told me a bit about it that uh they got this, you know, this guy overheard this uh um a pilot reporting a UFO and that's all it was at first. And I was like, well, okay, you know, all it is right now is hearsay and stuff. But they've done this investigation. They've done FOIAs with the FAA. And they've received all of this stuff, including some um, uh, audio uh, of the case mm-hmm. and everything. So it's really cool. So, uh, yeah, going to talk to Erica about the case and how it's developed and everything. Um, so this ought to be good. She's a great guest. I've talked to her before. She's a very nice lady, very nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. I've known her for a while. She's been with MUFON. I've had her on before quite some time ago, I think, uh, regarding other sightings and UFO, uh, or UFOs. There are those orbs being seen in All right. Utah and yeah. Colorado, actually. And the Colorado News caught them on, on uh, their own cameras when they went to go investigate. So, mm. yeah. So, yeah, that was more interesting cases. So here's another interesting case. So, yeah, so this ought to be a fun interview. But before that... Let's get into the news, UFO news. There's a lot of news since I've been gone for a while. I mean, uh, and a lot has gone on recently. So uh, do you have a story you would like to start us off with?
2: I do, and it has to do with Hillary. Hmm. Hillary pledges to dig into UFO files. Now, Jimmy Kimmel um, did it again. He had, of course, if you go back, he had uh, former President Clinton on. He also had Obama on. Ben Hansen went through all the body language of these films, and those films in, in themselves are interesting. But uh, Jimmy Kimmel did it. He, again, He Hillary was on, and he asked her about the UFO question, and she was very positive about it. And she also mentioned that she uses the word UAP along, interchanges it with UFOs. And <clears throat> Jimmy made some jokes after she said in all earnest that she – wants to look into these files and if it's something that doesn't affect national security she wants to let everyone know and if there's nothing there she wants to let everyone know as well so it's a great little uh, short interview and you can see that right on open minds and uh, what did you think of that
1: I thought it was really cool actually I mean uh, she took it very seriously she didn't joke like Obama did I mean I really feel that Obama Mm -hmm. is joking around uh, every time he refers to this topic um uh bill of course took it seriously and talked about how he had looked into it and everything so she took it really seriously which is kind of fun of course uh i wish there were some more questions asked about some stuff like for instance um you know in the past like we have in our story lawrence rockefeller had looked into ufos he's since passed away he was very old back when Mm -hmm. he did this uh during the clinton years when her husband bill clinton was president and uh he had, did his own UFO report, and you know Grant Cameron found these records that show that you know Lawrence Rockefeller is to uh, send his UFO information through Hillary Clinton's office. Uh, then there's a picture of Hillary Clinton talking with Lawrence Rockefeller, and he, she has this book about mm-hmm. uh, ETs. It's a more scientific book from Paul Davies, uh, the uh, professor out here at the University um, of Arizona, not University. But ASU out here. Um, But anyway, so she has this background. And then, interesting enough, she does this UAP thing, which I thought was really interesting that she said, did you know they're called UAPs? My guess is that, you know, her and Podesta sat down and and kind of talked about what she was going to say. but uh, Trickling
2: in from Leslie Kane, no doubt.
1: Well, I don't know about that. No, I'm saying, you know, her talks with
2: Podesta. I'm sure um because she is adamant about using the the term UAP as uh, more logical I wouldn't be surprised she at all She does
1: prefer to use that but you know John Podesta interacted with a lot of different people including you know James Fox and some of the other people that so it, as much as I love Leslie Kane and she deserves a lot of credit she's not the only one who deserves credit <laughs> uh when it comes to their conversations with John Podesta it's also You know, James Fox and some of these other people that were part of this original group that uh, in 2012 where John Podesta came out and said, you know, people need to release the UFO files. So, yeah, Kane's great. But, yeah, a whole bunch of people. And, I mean, Leslie Kane got that from other people in this research, including, you know, she's very close with um, NARCAP and Dr. Richard Haynes. And Dr. Richard Haynes is like – very adamant. He will not use the word UFO at all, even though, of course, Leslie Kane, it's in the title of her main book. Now, I think you've got to use the term UFO. People don't know what a UAP is. And right. if, if they say, well, what is a UAP? You're going to have to say, well, it's a UFO. <laughs> so you're going to have to say it anyway. But uh, it goes back to the rose
2: is a rose by any other name.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that was that was pretty cool. Of course, a lot of people think maybe she's pandering to ufo believers to get their votes but then you know some other people. minority
2: have... though very much a minority
1: yeah exactly not only is it very much a minority a couple of people have made the point that when Kucinich talked about ufos it did not help him so really it's right. probably more of a, a detriment it could scare more people off rather than bring more people um, to her so it's kind of a risky move if it's just a political mm-hmm. move. So um, it could be, and that would be interesting. She could have an interest just like her husband had. And uh, that's what would be interesting to find out is, you know, the nature of her conversations with Lawrence Rockefeller and, and her feelings uh, on the topic if she had an interest just like her husband did. So it's kind of interesting. And And if she gets to be president, will they look into something? I have a feeling that they may follow up. Um, whether it's it's a full-on investigation or not. Who knows? It could be that they do kind of some light investigation and possibly release some files out of it. But I think they would do something.
2: Yeah, you know, when anyone takes the office, they have the tiger by the tail. And who knows how far down the list that would be. But I I do believe that it would be on there somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yep, that's a good one. So a few other stories. So we'll try to get through these quickly, uh, I guess, but um, I wanted to talk about, this is such a bummer, and just to uh, make people aware, so hopefully the the criminals in this case can uh, be brought to justice. But the Roswell Museum in uh, oh, yeah. Roswell, New Mexico, they have this UFO on the side of the building, like, and, and it looks like it's crashed into the side of the building, which is cute and everything. And uh it fell during a snowstorm uh, just recently, so they got it fixed, and they were going to mount it again, and some kids came and stole it, and uh, as they were looking for it, you know, the, the police found it on the side of the highway all in pieces. Flew uh, out of the miles. back of the truck. Mm. Yeah, a couple miles out of town, so I don't know if these guys got scared and they ditched it or what, but yeah, these little punks, they were caught on video, so you can see the surveillance camera footage, which we have on, on our site, but uh, yeah, they're looking for these guys to, uh, you know, because they, now they're going to have to rebuild it, and it's expensive, and it's not like the museum, you know, they're a nonprofit, profit uh, not like they have a lot of money, so... Yeah, very unfortunate situation.
2: Now, I don't want to say that was right in any type of way,
1: but I can certainly
2: picture being a teenager driving by and seeing a flying saucer on the ground with a friend. Hey, come on! You know, I mean, I could see that. Not that I would actually do it, but uh, um, I I could see why, if it is like teenagers just trying to have some fun, um, what a prop that would be to have.
1: So you're condoning this sort of behavior for teenagers? <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying
2: it would be almost irresistible. That's all I mean.
1: You were one of those kind of teenagers.
2: (laughs) I knew those type of teenagers. That's all I'm going to say.
1: You just said it would be hard to resist.
2: It would be hard for the ones I knew to resist.
1: (laughs) Oh, the ones you knew now. (laughs) Wow. What kind of character do I have on the show with me? I would not have had the inkling of Wanting to do any damage to anyone's property, as a, as a, even as a teenager, I was. I've always been a forthright citizen. I'm sure. Well, uh, this thing was like laying on the
2: side. Was it next to the building when they took it?
1: Well, you are right about that. It was just sitting in the parking lot with some cones around it. <laughs> so not much. Um, and this is kind of funny, too. Now I feel like I'm making fun. Karen Jaramillo is the one who runs the, mu- the museum now. Uh, Don Schmidt is the president of the board uh, for the museum. He doesn't live in Roswell. Uh, Karen is actually physically there running it. Great people. I love these people to death. I mean, I've been speaking at the museum for years and everything at the, the event, but... They probably should have done a little more around security because all they had were these cones around it and it's just sitting in the parking lot. And then they had a security camera on it. But it seems like this is a mistake a lot of people make. A security camera is not going to stop anyone like physically. And then once it happens, you can just cross your fingers that the camera is going to catch You know, something that that you can see. And these are some kids, you know, that they obviously didn't seem to have any concern for the camera because they go up and take it. But the camera is so low resolution, you can't really make out their faces very well or anything. So hopefully uh, someone will find them. But the camera doesn't seem to uh, be that effective as a deterrent either. Mm. So they were just able to walk right up, pick it up, put it in their truck. You see them do this and then drive off. Now, uh, one thing that might also be a deterrent, which wasn't in this case either, nor did it help uh, solve the crime, the police department, they're, they're just right around the corner. Mm. It's a small town, but they are literally just right down the street. Wow. Um, but Raisin. Yeah, exactly. Aye, aye,
2: aye. Well, you can't blame them, for goodness sake. Sitting there. The kids? There- yeah, sitting there with cones. Come on. Take oh, me, take me.
1: You're a criminal. Oh, my gosh. That's awful. I, uh, I we'll think see that, what type
2: of feedback we get. Yeah, There'll be people out there listening that agree with me. I guarantee you that. Yeah,
1: and those are criminals. <laughs> and please uh, change your evil ways, Martin and okay, uh, friends. I'll okay, so I, that, I'm just in shock that uh, you would take this attitude. I but look so innocent, too. <laughs> you yeah. do. You're not going to. With You're going to have to get some tattoos when you shave your head, too. Oh, on the top of it, yeah. Like Now that I know what your character is like, you'll have to get some tattoos. Steal uh, flying
2: saucers or something like that. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah, okay. can
1: see you on your Harley looking for flying oh, yeah. saucers to steal. That's right. Your bald head, and it's going to be scary. I'll get one of those little trailers. So speaking of some other kind of uh, – some other criminals, these are uh, trespassers onto Area 51. So this is a funny – this is just kind of funny uh, because the, a video was posted recently uh, and there was this group of, of people uh, that were at Area 51. Essentially, this guy who posted the video was doing a kind of – a visit to Nevada with his kid and one of the places they went to was area 51 so they go down the extraterrestrial highway they take pictures with the sign go to the stores and stuff whatever and then they go to the, where the black box was the black mailbox and they take some pictures there but the black mailbox unfortunately has been taken down but people still go there and that is the entrance road to the main gate to area 51. Well, while they're hanging out there, this this uh family, they said that didn't speak English well. It looks like they're an Asian family. Uh was there and they were also going to go to area 51. So, this guy who is filming, you know, his his uh vacation with his son uh follows this family to the gate. No big deal, you know. You guys saw me do this uh with a Kardashian, some of you. <laughs> Uh, A few years ago, and I did post some vines that were kind of funny uh, related to this just recently. You can see them on my Facebook of the Kardashians saying, don't pass the signs. Because you see these clearly marked signs, this guy with his kids, they all stop at the sign. But this guy says, for some reason, the family got in their car and drove past the signs. He's like, (laughs) what the hell are they doing? Well, within seconds, one of those trucks that is, is watching people zooms down stops the guys get it gets in the way and the truck is up on the hill and these guys are are going up the hill not too far away and so this guy got to film it it seems like he's a little scared like he's kinda hiding behind something cuz he didn't film a lot of it but you see the people uh the guards come out one with a camera one with his gun it looks like they tell the people to come out of the car with their hands up and they tell the driver to come towards them and he has to walk backwards with his hands in the air Uh, to the security guards and uh, so just kind of crazy some people are like well what's a big surprise I mean uh, any uh, secure base that's what's going to happen true but it is kind of exciting when it happens at Area 51 and, and it's caught on video so it's it's kind of fun it's no surprise and I think the overwhelming feeling with people is what the hell were these guys thinking I mean, how dumb could that be? Although you, uh, given what you just told me, are probably thinking, "Yeah, that's what I would have done. I would have busted past the gate." And
2: well, I was just, I was just going to ask you if you Ram you said, the security
1: when, truck
2: when you first started this. Uh, I was going to ask you because you said something like, "This is fun." So I was going to give you a hard time, and you just took that away from me. Now, oh, it's it's a fun story. I see. Now, you know, I'm trying to go in their shoes. This is an Asian family. They probably thought there was going to be a gate. Maybe they, they weren't able to read the signs or just didn't really know what the signs were all about. You know, I mean, it is kind of weird that there's not a gate there.
1: That's a good point. You have a really good point. Um, Yeah, because they just, you know, in 2014, and I have this in the story, too, because the camera ends with those guys like the. The driver gets up to the truck. They've all got their hands raised. It's kind of a neat picture and stuff. And then the guy stops filming, and he's done. So you don't know what happens. He says he assumes they were arrested. He's probably right because um, it is trespassing onto government land, and we know from the past that uh, the local police uh, will come and and pick up the people, and they'll get in trouble for it. Uh, And in 2014, a tour van drove past those signs and the van right, driver yeah. regularly, you know, took people there. He knew what he, what was going on, but he, and it looks like he, cause they had cameras inside the van and outside. They have a bunch of GoPros mounted on it, the van. So, uh, you know, um, so they can capture video of stuff. But, uh, the guy is just talking to the tourist in his van. And he said that he just didn't notice he was too busy. Gavin, And he didn't notice the signs. I believe him. I can see Mm -hmm. how that could happen uh, because there is no gate. If there was at least just a simple gate, even if there were some of those safety cones they had around (laughs) the UFO in Roswell, that would stop people to where they would stop and then see the signs. But, yeah, they don't have anything, so you can just drive past. And what happened with that tour van is that they all got arrested. Which was really embarrassing. They eventually, I believe, let the tourists go. Some of which were from other countries, uh, Europe. I think they were German or something. And the band got the the guy got fined, and I think he got fired, unfortunately, uh-huh. um, or his license was for doing tourism was taken. Uh, Hopefully that's been resolved by now. But uh, yeah, he got in trouble for that. So you're right. I mean, it it is easy. So I can, if these guys don't know English or how to read English, then they wouldn't know what the hell those signs were saying at all.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, I have yet to watch the video, but I'm going to.
1: Yeah, check it out. The last story I want to talk about, because it's another big story, is actually a UFO one. And this is uh, Aaron Rodgers, the quarterbacks for the Green Bay Packers. I'm only finally writing the story today, but I do have something new to add, which is that his friend spoke to uh, NJ.com a New Jersey newspaper and confirmed all of this. But Aaron Rodgers last week was on a radio show, and he talked about a UFO sighting. And uh, he was hesitant to talk at first, but you could tell he was, once he got into it, really excited about it. This was like a big deal to him. And he had looked into UFOs. I don't know if he looked into UFOs prior to this sighting. Or, or after, but essentially he says uh, it was tw- 2005, just before the NFL draft pick of which he was the number one pick. Um, he was over at a friend's house in uh, New York, not New Jersey. He said New Jersey, but his, that's one thing his friend corrected was actually it's it's near Jersey, but not exactly Jersey. That was the only disagreement his friend had. But they're sitting in the house, they hear these weird horns, they go outside, they figure it could be because they weren't far from a nuclear power plant. When they go outside, they see this weird orange light, and they see it streak across the sky and fade out. Uh, They likened it, at least his friend, Levi, who was also a a quarterback with him at uh, California and the university he went to, and... uh, he said it, it looked like Star Trek when they go into warp Drive. That's the only thing he could explain. Uh, it was then kind of cloudy, so they didn't see the jets, I guess, but they heard what they think were four fighter jets flying by. And Aaron Rodgers is like, this is a UFO. This is absolutely a UFO, what I saw. Uh, it fits UFO reports. And he even goes on to say that you know, UFOs are often seen to be followed by jets, and they're by nuclear power plants. So it seems like he knows something about the topic. And his uh. friend said the same thing. His friend said it was such a big deal to them that whenever they see each other, uh, almost every time they see each other, they talk about it. Uh, and his friend, actually, his friend's family was there, and they all witnessed it as well. So kind of neat. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, so there's nothing else it could be but a UFO.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, right. um he's really into the idea that it was a a UFO. Excellent. Cool, uh, huh?
2: Really great. Yeah, I, I I like it when people that uh, you know, are I don't want to say celebrities, but someone that someone takes serious and when they're serious and honest about something, um they they get attention and they're paid attention to. I think, you know, the more that happens the better, the more possibilities of finding out what's going on or I if can figure out what the
1: heck's going on. I totally agree. And I, I would even go so far as, as to say, I love it when it happens to celebrities and celebrities are bold enough to share their stories. And what's funny is a lot of times when I post stories about celebrity sightings, uh, I always get some feedback. Oh, what do they know? They're just a singer. They're just an actor. They're just a this or that. But this story in particular has really gotten, gotten a lot of headlines, and uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, not so much my story because I haven't even written it yet. I'm just writing it now. I'll have it posted by the time this show airs. But um, yeah, everybody's reporting about it, which is kind of neat. It brings more awareness. And uh, because he's so well regarded, uh, everybody's very positive, mostly pretty positive about it. He actually visited the South Park Studios. Yeah. Um, recently, yeah. and uh, was kind of making fun. They, uh, uh, him, his friends, and stuff, making fun of him. But it is, you know, it is. Uh, they're making fun of each other, um, but uh, as friends in a friendly way. But still, it, it's an example of how anyone who comes forward with a sighting, uh, you got to kind of have some thick skin. Because even if your friends are teasing you in a friendly way, sometimes it's like, you know, why even bring that upon myself if, if I don't have to? So, um right. I, I
2: just want to t- say something. I had uh-huh. a uh, a longtime friend of mine that was involved in the antiques and auction business forever uh, text me today. said, so give me a call. And this guy's like, he's about 77 now. I think he is. called me and he says, I just saw he goes I was checking out your Facebook and I saw you're into UFOs. So I said, "Uh-oh." I didn't know what I was going to get, but we had a really nice conversation because he used to work for a publisher, uh Wiser Ed Wiser, um that publishes a lot of UFO books. Really? So, yep. Yeah, so he's he said, "Oh yeah, you got to be open-minded to these things." And and it was like, "Wow, I was just surprised because I thought I thought I was getting going to get, you know, uh, a a bunch of grief from him."
1: Uh-huh. So but you it's
2: didn't. all it, no, it's uh, it's it's great when someone's open-minded enough to realize that these things could be happening.
1: Yeah, that's really cool.
2: Yeah, and I think you're going to see more and more of that.
1: Yeah. So those are the big stories, and those stories are making headlines, you know, uh, on big publications all over the place. Otherwise, you know, we have a lot of different uh, citing reports, some kind of interesting uh, from Roger Marsh. He's been uh, writing several stories over the past week even though I I kind of stopped. And another interesting thing is Nick Pope wrote an article for the BBC, and the BBC put it on their front page, uh, Mm. where Nick Pope is kind of saying that we should start investigating UFOs again. Uh, And they even put the story in the editor's picks section of the BBC. So that's really cool. BBC in the past has uh, been a little more... um, Skeptical when it comes to UFOs, uh, but uh, so that's really cool. But lots of other cool news. So, well, thank you very much for joining us, Martin. It's interesting to find out about your dark side. Uh, well, we <laughs> heard about the dark side and the light side, your ying and your yang. Even though uh, you're more criminally minded, you're also that's why uh-huh. yeah. That's why
2: I'm shaving my head.
1: For- yeah yeah it well that works for both purposes also because now you it look does. more of like a a bad bad mofo um yeah, but it's also to help support these children and leukemia so that's the, right i'm
2: gonna I'm gonna get a heisenberg hat you know
1: that would be good get an I'll earring too some kind of dangling skull earring. oh yeah, yeah. or a dangling u f o earring <laughs> that'd be perfect cool. yeah all right, all right, thanks, man thank you too. All right, well, let's go ahead and talk to Erica. I am very excited to have, and I'm excited to talk about this interesting case, um, but I'm excited to have Erica Lukes on the show. Hello, Erica.
0: Hello, I'm excited to be on your show. I always listen to it, so this is a Yay. great honor. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, so it's funny because you, then you know how I always talk about being excited. Yes. And uh, you're <laughs> excited, so that's good. I am good. excited. This will be exciting then. <laughs> So you're recently, formerly the director uh, of MUFON Utah, but you're working with a new organization or did you start your own organization?
0: You know what I'm doing is I, I want to really focus on kind of independent
1: research
0: okay. and and doing things in a larger capacity. And so I'm still working. I am a, a field investigator for MUFON and I'll continue to, to do that, but then I'll incorporate things from other organizations and I just get as much help as I can because there's so much with regards to Utah, as you know, we, you know, mm-hmm. you've got Elaine Douglas, all of her files, all these different things and and so I'll just do that and then share my the things that I can find out to hopefully contribute to okay. this.
1: Cool. Well whatever else you're working on you want to talk about, that's great. But I guess because I have had you on the show before we've talked about other sightings, but let's get into this Really cool sighting that you you're working on. Well, I guess report or case uh, that you're working on now. So how did this all start? It was something a guy heard uh, a pilot report on a ham radio. Is that correct? Yeah,
0: my friend who Pat his uh, Pat Daniels. He is on Fringe Radio, and I'm sure you've either you know him or you've been on his show or you should be on his show. But he's a just a fixture here and. He he and I talk frequently and he comes to MUFON Utah meetings and, and things and he called me up and he just said, You would not believe what I overheard on, on the radio. I was, you know, sitting at my computer listening to some transmissions, doing paperwork, and he was scanning the frequencies and he overheard it was about twelve, a little after twelve o'clock on January fourteenth, he overheard a pilot talking to the, the Salt Lake City. Air route traffic control and asking what this large object, a large square orange object, was that was keeping pace with his plane. Wow! And it, it was it was incredible. And you know he's a really proficient ham operator. He's been doing it for decades, and so he's he hears all the boring stuff, and most of it is. But this struck him as odd. And then, you know, this this pilot is talking about. You know, they he they asked the air traffic control. Do you have this on radar? And again, that's another big significant thing because you've got a pilot who is asking what this object is, talking about it, asking if it's on radar. And so we, after hearing this, I just said, oh my gosh, we have to immediately go to work on this. And so he gave me the frequency and I went to the ATC website where I Downloaded several of the the different frequencies, and my my assistant state director Jeff Cox and I began going through this, which can be kind of painstaking taking mm-hmm. sometimes. But so we these are identify, the actual logs. These are the the audio recordings.
1: Oh, okay. And are these transcripts, or you have to actually go through and listen? You have to go through and listen. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. So and it, it's it's a bit muddled and things, and and you have to. You know, this is when having friends that are audio engineers comes in handy.
1: Mm-hmm. But <laughs> that's know? cool. They have all of these online for people to go listen to.
0: They do. And I think it's wow. it's interesting that there's so many things that we don't know about as investigators. And you yeah. hear through the grapevine. And it's awesome. And so you can get down, you know, and I think it goes back quite a ways. So you can download stuff like that. And we did find a very critical piece of the conversation, which solidified to me that he was really, in fact, telling the truth, which I didn't have a question about because Mm -hmm. I know him. And then I was able to, you know, go to William Puckett and say, okay, you know, this is what we've got. What are we going to do with this? I think we need a FOIA request. Will you help me with regards to that? Because, you know, FOIA requests are tricky and you have to Mm -hmm. be very specific with what you're asking for. So we submitted a FOIA request and, and maybe you could explain who William Puckett is too. William Puckett is a researcher, and he is he is head of UFOs Northwest. He's done lots of radar analysis. He's a brilliant, kind man, and he researches this. He do, he still works with. He's a field investigator for MUFON. He was state director, but now he's a field investigator, and he does a lot of his own research.
1: And I think. Um, his background is in weather radar, which which makes him invaluable because he's like a radar expert, right?
0: He is. Mm-hmm. He is incredible. And he just is, gets, a, you know, he's so happy to to help me. He's helped me before on another case here. So we submitted the FOIA request and we asked for the radar data and for the audio files and then the tower logs. And miraculously enough, six weeks later, we got back a significant portion of what we had asked for, including audio recordings that were much clearer for us with regards to the pilot saying, you know, American Airlines Flight 434, and I'm viewing this large orange square, what's the town that's closest? And the reply is Nephi, Utah there is a bit of the conversation that is missing and through analysis that William did, it says that it does look like there was a little bit of the audio that had been redacted. Hmm. So this makes it all the more intriguing to me because again, I believe that there is a significant portion of audio that was either switched to another frequency or redacted from what we received from the FAA. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, is is that something that FAA does? Uh, is do they redact? Because, for instance, with uh, government files, they'll redact names, addresses, you know, con- telephone numbers, things like that. Does the FAA do something similar?
0: Well, I would certainly think they do because if yeah. this is any indication, and and you know, I know that you've done FOIA requests or investigated lots of cases that have have you know, we've done these FOIA requests, and it is painstaking sometimes to get mm-hmm. information from the FAA. So, whether they do that on purpose or whether it's just that they don't have enough time in the day, they're probably you know, have other things to focus on. So, mm-hmm. it was it was intriguing, but then you get all of this radar data back and you know, when you analyze it, we found 106 radar returns over an area that was across You know, I mean, it was almost, by estimation, nine miles across. And it was right over I-15 in a remote part between Nephi and Levan, Utah.
1: Hmm. And so uh, with the radar data, were you able to see the the commercial airline uh, you're referring to and then also some uh, other unknowns?
0: We did see – we saw 106 unknowns to be exact. Mm-hmm. And so were,
1: William believe these to be uh, uh, separate objects or the, just the one object in different places?
0: You know what? That's a really great question, and I think – and he and I have had lots of conversations about this, but I, because the radar towers on both sides were significant distances away from these returns – we wonder and we speculate if this wasn't one incredibly large object,
1: mm-hmm, wow, so the pilot um I just think it's the one thing that's really exciting about this, and I thought it was exciting to begin with when you when I first heard about it, and I think maybe you sent me a note or I saw it on your Facebook or something I can't remember is just how exciting it would be. To be your friend, listening to ham radio, because he probably listened to it for hours yeah. on, on end. And then finally, to hear what he's probably been listen, looking for, this incredible um,
0: sighting. It, it was definitely the motherlode for him. And we've all been so excited because it, it was just you know, we get the information from him and then go to William and William's excited and people are working really, really hard. And you go through when you're investigating cases like this real peaks and valleys, you know, Mm. of emotion because it's so, it's really exciting. And then you think, oh no, could it really be something that is explainable? But we know, you know, he's done, William has done some anomalous propagation. We, We know that, He's done analysis on all of these things, and and we've talked to other experts in the area, in the field. And everybody admits or agrees that this is a really spectacular case.
1: Mm -hmm. I think I saw a quote from Puckett saying something like, it's one of the most significant radar cases he's he's come across.
0: I know, isn't that? I'm just so happy about it because it was really... The, it was the luck of the draw, and then it was a lot of hard work that, that went into that. My my state, assistant state director has been just fantastic, and he went down to Nephi and actually took video of the places. He stood in the places where the radar returns were to show that the landscape, which is very barren, and then we've also been reaching out to the community to see how we could make them comfortable enough that they would come forward with stories. And we're finding that people down there have stories. There's something going on there. But, it, you know, how do we break through that kind of small town um, wall to get good information from them?
1: Mm-hmm. So the object that was seen, I guess... Um from what you've been able to gather, uh, what was seen when, you know, how uh, how was it described and, and do you have an estimate of maybe how fast it was moving or high ha- how high it was?
0: The it's very interesting, and this is where we're just kind of stumped here because we're seeing the radar returns and they're in the same area for 30 minutes, which is we obtained the radar data for a 30 minute time span. And so it's very peculiar, hmm. but we, we don't know how, what the elevation was, the altitude. Um, it has to be well above, you know, I mean, it's probably 5,000 feet, but it's really hard to kind of pinpoint those things with, according to the pilot, you know, the pilot was at 31,000 feet and this object was below him. Not too far, so it could have been, who knows, 29,000 feet. But it was interesting, and to listen to the the pilot talk about it, and then to listen to my friend Pat talk about the other portion of the conversation, it is fascinating. He was concerned about something, mm-hmm. as well he should have been, because he's viewing a large square orange object, and he has no clue what it is.
1: Mm-hmm. So you can hear his concern in his voice. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then what did he say he saw? Orange and square?
0: Yes, a large orange, bright orange square.
1: Mm-hmm. And how did he estimate a size or anything like that?
0: No. Hmm. He didn't. And unfortunately, you know, like I said, there is a portion of that tape that we will probably never be able to get our hands on. And in hindsight, had we gone in and done a foyer request on a broader scale and tried to get the transmissions, the audio tapes for any aircraft even remotely close to Nephi, Levan, Utah. You know, that's something that we should have done. We're actually gonna still try to see if we can do that, but the FAA dumps data after a certain point in time. Mm -hmm. But but you know, this object was large enough that it had to have been visible by people driving on I-15 People in 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 the area mm
1: mm-hmm. so what time and uh which day was it uh seen
0: so it was January fourteenth and it was twelve right about a little after 1205 ish mm-hmm. in the morning
1: so the very the wee minutes of the morning
0: the wee minutes of the morning i'm <laughs> definitely i'm not up that late but you know <laughs>
1: uh-huh on january fourteenth just in case anybody listening hopefully uh saw whatever the heck that was, and I know there are websites that have some historical like data um flight tracker, yes, like, I think it's one of them that'll show some of the planes in the area. You guys will probably
0: check that out that was one of the first things that we did. We went to flight aware and then flight uh radar mm-hmm. and we we had to identify the plane or get a good idea of the plane uh that we were needing to request the data from so we did that and and found that it was american airlines flight 434 and it was on route from san francisco to philadelphia
1: mhm i'm sure there's been some thought to this although it might be harder to do than than it seems but uh of getting a hold of anybody in the crew
0: that would be so great and mm-hmm. i don't know i have a couple friends there are commercial pilots and and It's an incredibly hard thing to find Mm -hmm. out that information because the airlines don't, they don't, you know, they're not going to share stuff like that. But we can just put something out there and then hopefully at some point in time, somebody can either file a report with NARCAP or with MUFON, do something like that, respond to. We put an ad in the, the paper that we're running for a month in the area and many different Facebook posts. And I've also sent out a an email to the ham radio association of Utah asking for their help and, and see, trying to spread the word there that if anybody else has any information with regards to ham radio transmissions to, to get in touch with us.
1: Mm -hmm. How long is the audio?
0: The audio is about 38 seconds. Oh, neat. So it's not, yeah, it's not a very big uh, portion, but it's, it's significant for so many different reasons, you know, I mean, you've got the radar data, you've got the audio, all of these wonderful things that, that really tell us that we have a big case. And now it it's, you know, we could close the case out right where we are. But to me, it is there's something greater going on here in this area. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before that in Utah, we have so many, we've got a couple top secret military installations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what's happening? We have an incredibly interesting uh, geography here as well. We've got lots of mining facilities. We have the Great Salt Lake and the Salt Flats. And so we get reports of these objects in specific areas by Dugway Proving Ground, by Kennecott Copper, places that have specific mineral and rare earth content and so to me trying to figure out why this object was where it was is going to be something i'll be working on for a long period of time
1: yeah how cool how interesting do you mind if i play the audio no you know what i'm gonna try something here because Uh i have it here
0: (laughs) i'm kind of (laughs) scared
1: oh no nothing to be scared about but i'm gonna play the audio and let me see I want to try. Here we go. I'm going to pause it though. I'm going to pause it so I can bring the microphone closer to the speakers.
0: Oh, okay, boy. ready? Ready. neat. I know. It is so cool. It's just, just, I think most investigators want, I mean, they don't go, you know, you never get a case like this. So Mm -hmm. it's so fun for all of us to work on it.
1: Mm -hmm. What's interesting, too, is how he says, um, is it on your right? I mean, I wonder why he he said that, why he assumed it was on the right. It turned out that it is, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he saw it on radar or something, and just didn't want to admit that. Because it's kind of interesting that he says uh, on the right, but then he says it's right by the near the nose. But um, yeah, how weird,
0: huh? It is really weird, and I think when you hear you know Pat talk about this and what he witnessed or what he overheard, it's it's there is you know they were concerned about something. Mm-hmm. There was something that they didn't share with us with regards to that and they you know who knows if they had it on radar i don't know but whatever it is was significant enough for a pilot to go on the air and and ask about it Mm -hmm. so
1: does uh pat say he heard more than what is in that audio yes okay so they did talk more about it
0: yes they did
1: Mm mm-hmm so but unfortunately that's the part that's missing.
0: Yeah. But you know I mean hopefully it uh, maybe somebody even through the the ham operators association somebody can step forward so at least we have some corroborating evidence for what Pat's saying. I mean even anything like that would be helpful. Mhm.
1: That is what's also strange is just the description. I mean an orange square.
0: It's not a, a usual shape for us, is it?
1: <laughs> no, I mean an orange square what the heck um i i it's hard to even conceive what that would look like
0: it It's definitely a little bit mind bending there mm-hmm. and i've I've tried to find reports. my assistant state director and I have both been trying to find reports with or- with square you know objects, and it really is it's a little stupefying, but we have found a few out there and you know, could it be, I mean, I, I don't know if, but if you hear anything, you, ha- you have to let me know.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what I wonder, you know, and what is it, what's good about it being an orange square is, is that makes it a little more, a little, uh, more difficult, well, for the pilot or anybody to identify it'd be, it's harder than to say that, um, uh, because it's so specific. That's not what, you know, lights from a drone or, or a balloon or anything like that are are typically described as, um, even a blimp or something, you know, you don't hear that description unless for some reason, um, I mean, is that a very, most of Utah is pretty rural. Is that a rural area? Very.
0: Uh Yeah, it is. And you, we, did I have a, a friend who, like I was saying, is a, is a pilot and we, you know, I I bounce things off a lot of other people and he's telling me, you know, okay, you need to look at, you know, Google Earth, you've got to look at these different locations, which I know. And so you get in there and you you see, okay, what could this be mistaken for something, you know, could the pilot have mistaken this power plant in Mona, Utah, which is a square and it's it's bright, but. William and I have both put that through the, through the paces, and we do not believe that that was it at all. Mm-hmm. You know, And why would a pilot go on the air? Somebody who, who probably in all likelihood has flown this route multiple times asking what an object is on the ground that he should honestly know what it is mm-hmm. if he's a good pilot, I would think.
1: Yeah, and who's probably been in the area. He does sound maybe like he's a little young. Um, but, uh, you know, he doesn't sound like he's like brand new to the, to the business.
0: <laughs> well, everybody sounds young compared to me these days.
1: <laughs> yeah. I hear you.
0: All
1: right. Not for you, but for me, well, I feel whatever, the same I'm way. About. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, yeah. So it's so interesting because even if I think of, you know, what could be like an orange square, you just don't hear that description often. Um, and it's just so odd. It's so strange. Um, and, you know, it's you, so much. Did Pat say there was any more description of the, the movement of the object?
0: The only thing that he had said to me on numerous different occasions is that the pilot did say that it was keeping pace with his plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which is, in, I mean, it's just so fascinating. And if you if you do look at the, the video of that William did, the animation of the aviation radar returns mm-hmm. over Nephi, they are really curious. It's quite interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: And this video all can be found at that website that you mentioned, uh, his website, which is ufosnw.com yes ufosnw.com for ufos northwest well this is great this is a really neat case
0: i am so excited and we have you know a couple when you got when i've done some digging in the mufon archives the cms you know there have been some other reports in there from um, from pilots or people in the area that have had similar um, similar experiences and so there is definitely something going on i don't think this was an isolated incident
1: mm-hmm. i
0: think that you know i would i i am quite sure that the you know government probably knows about this and is keeping tabs since we do have you know all of this restricted airspace and top secret facilities
1: mhm happens to be uh yeah a lot of stuff in the area like uh, around Salt Lake, what is the name of the one that, you know, a lot of people feel is the new Area 51 out there?
0: That is Dugway.
1: Yeah, that's right. Dugway Proving Ground.
0: Yeah. And that place is, is special for many reasons. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: It's a trip. But, it you know, and then you have, we've got thousands of acres dedicated to the Utah test and training facilities. We have the NSA. So we're a little hotspot here
1: yeah just like kind of the whole area they're Utah and Colorado, Arizona, um Nevada, of course, so um has this story really made much news as far as you're aware?
0: you know, unfortunately, it hasn't, which I am completely stupefied about. I did do something for uh Jaime Masson's uh TV show down in Latin America, which is good, um and I will be writing an article that hopefully will get good exposure over in Italy, thanks to Paula Harris. And mm-hmm. so I'm trying to get the word out because it is, it, it is important. And the more I find out about this, I think that it'll just be re- really a, a case that we can look back on and hopefully learn a lot from.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed Billy Cox in his blog for the Sarasota Herald Tribune uh, wrote something on it, but uh, his blogs are titled, he never has the term UFO in the title, so you never know what he's writing about in his story, uh, but luckily I had clicked on the story, I read his stories, and uh, I saw he had written about it.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Um, also, I haven't read the whole story, I just remember, and I just remembered that right now, that because uh, uh, I was trying to think, and uh, you know, like I, we've talked about, I, I was out of town, so I feel like I'm still catching up. Um so I wasn't sure if it uh, had been in the news, but um it is an interesting case. And then was it, did uh Coast to Coast do something on it or write something?
0: Not that I know of, but oh, okay. I would I would absolutely love any help in that regard to because I would love to, to talk with them about it. This is an and you know, I would like at, at some point in time, uh hopefully MUFON can do a, a story on this because it really is for MUFON, this is a big case. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, have you? Uh, are you the lead investigator on it?
0: For I MUFON? am. Yes. Yep.
1: And have you guys? Uh, you all submitted a report yet?
0: I have not because I'm still working on it, and mm-hmm. I have things that I've put in there. I put in the audio recordings, um, the the radar returns, the maps, um, different things, and so I will be finalizing that investigation. But it's just I don't – to me, like I was saying earlier, I don't – I can't just close it out and say this was a really interesting radar, you know, radars and audio. There's more to this, and I Mm want to find out what it is.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I mean this is one of those cases that um, will live on for a period of – for quite some time.
0: I hope so. Yeah. I, it, it really should. And I, and I hope that, you know, it, it, it for other people that are investigating and just getting their feet wet in this, I mean, if you can – Learn about all these really important sites. I mean, these little cool tricks of the trade, where you go to the ATC website and download those audios, and you do, mm-hmm. you know, you get a subscription to FlightAware, Flight Radar. All of these things we should be, we should know about, and hopefully, and I know Ken St. John with MUFON is going to be doing a great job with education, but it'd be great if MUFON could put um, a web. Page dedicated to all of these great apps and programs that we can use to help with investigations. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that comb, you know, watch NASA video uh, or all of these other things. But, um, you know, there are probably a lot of gems like this in those audio files.
0: You know, I think there are. And it's just a matter of, building a network and then, and you know, like with Pat, but we had this great network and then, so he's listening to the ham radio, you know, frequencies and then he can call me and then my, I can include William Puckett and all of these other people. And it's really cool. And that's important to do and not, not isolate yourself. You have to reach out to other people Mm -hmm. when you have stuff like this.
1: Yeah, exactly. So are there some other cases you're working on as well?
0: Right now, I am always, always researching Skinwalker Ranch mm. and oh, the Winter really? And it is still and will always be an area that has a lot of activity.
1: Mm-hmm. Has there been some recent activity?
0: You know, I have um, someone up there who does report cattle mutilations mm-hmm. still and lots of unexplained lights. Typical. You know, you get the reports of interesting creatures. There appears to be, from a couple of my contacts, you know, increased military activity. So it's it's a fascinating place. But this is, it's a place that, again, you've got a, a, a closed-knit community of really working people that don't know what to do with this. Mm -hmm. Where do you go? You know, you can't, you know, you report it, you report that your cattle, uh, your cow has been mutilated and the insurance doesn't pay for it. You've got all of these hoops to jump through. So it's a, it's been a a painstaking process for me to get involved and to gain trust. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, I've worked on cattle mutilation cases in rural Colorado and that they're not people um, you know farmers and ranchers that uh want that sort of attention for the most part, um, a lot of them are very private people
0: they are, but I think it's you know it's so frustrating for them because they're they're losing thousands mm-hmm. of dollars yeah. and it's it's very disconcerting to them because some of them will witness things that they can't explain and you know in our in a person that i know that has had reports of cattle mutilations i mean they have been in contact with the the Utah state vet and from reports that i have heard the Utah state vet has sent the uh, the bodies to Utah State University mhm so which is interesting so then right. you know it's you know i have a i sent i had an email exchange with the the Utah state vet who was incredibly, you know, he was very helpful and, and we're going to go to the next time they have a cattle association meeting, we're going to, we'll be there to try to get the feelers out and just work our way into, into making sure that people feel comfortable and know that they'll, their anonymity is incredibly important. Mm
1: -hmm. And what sort of creatures have you heard uh, reported?
0: You know, there, I, oh gosh, we've had large, extremely large wolf-like creatures. Mm-hmm. There have been the, the smaller humanoid creatures that you hear about. And same, it's the same type of stuff that you saw, you know, when Hunt for the Skinwalker.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the whole area is just a trip. Mm-hmm. And I know that maybe things at Skinwalker Ranch from I've heard from different sources that Bigelow is, has said or or George Knapp I think I talked to him a few months ago said that they believe that stuff is kind of dying down at Skinwalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't appear to be dying down anywhere else
1: mm-hmm. in that
0: area. Oh,
1: really? Interesting. Yeah,
0: it is interesting.
1: Yeah, that's great. I didn't know you had been looking into that, and I'm sure li- mostly listeners know, but this is a ranch in Utah um, where lots of weird things have been reported. A book called Hunt for the Skinwalker was released. We have a great video, actually. It's one of our most viewed videos of Colonel John Alexander talking about the research and the weird stuff that went on there because he was part of it, but uh, Robert Bigelow, a little, yes. little millionaire. He was. In
0: fact, he's... Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. No, I mean, in fact, he's he's somebody that is on my list of people that I really need to talk to. He's yeah. important with this,
1: but he's really busy now because he's had some news. Uh, just even today, I posted a story uh, because he's got he's also doing uh, work on uh, Bigelow Aerospace with NASA, where he's actually built this um, inflatable addition to the ISS that's going to be launched and attached real soon, and so. Uh, NASA and space people are getting excited about this because it's something novel and different and uh, it's another kind of uh, uh, could be a a great avenue for space tourism. So I know Bigelow has been really uh, busy with that. And I don't know if I told you this. This is kind of cool. So I went to NASA recently, Johnson Space Center.
0: I saw uh, your photos.
1: Yeah, that was so weird. Just a couple months ago, and uh, for something totally unrelated. And I, and Bigelow was there. I ran into him. We were checking in at the same time. Wow. Yeah, I know. I was so excited because, like you and you know our friend Lee Spiegel, uh, everybody wants to interview him and talk to him about all of this stuff. But he's so busy with the NASA stuff, and he's kind of keeps to himself. That uh, it's hard to do. Um, uh. Through MUFON, I've got to meet him a couple times, but uh, luckily George Knapp, like you had mentioned, uh, has done some. He, he's friends with him, and he's done some coast to coast interviews that were great. I'm sure you've listened to those, but those oh, yeah. are really good.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting, and I I always you know from time to time I'll call and bug George Knapp <laughs> just to see what's happening in the area because mm-hmm. I I really think. Gosh, I just, it's fascinating to me. And we, like I said, I i love being in Utah because we have such a treasure trove here of different types of high strangeness and, and all of, you know, all of that that comes with it. And we also have a great resource here, Dr. Frank Salisbury,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who, I mean, you know, I'm sure you know who uh-huh. he is and he's getting up in the years, but he wrote a great Book called the Utah UFO Display, where he talks about Skinwalker Ranch.
1: Yeah, I got to meet him a couple of years ago at the MUFON Symposium and sit next to him. Um, he's a really neat guy. Although I know I've known of his work for a long time, um, but uh, yeah, he is another great resource. Uh, people will have to look into that book uh, because I think his background is is something in like something to do with plant, plants, right?
0: Yes, he was a a professor um, up at Weber State University, and he's he is a botanist, and he's just he's really, and he's a devout LDS man, Mm -hmm. and so for him, it's interesting to listen to how he tried to kind of wrap his mind around the science of this, and then the religious implications of researching this. And all of these things. So he had—he's had a remarkable life, and he doesn't, you know, this isn't on his radar anymore. He's got a new wife, and they appear to be very happy, and they're always off having fun. So,
1: which is good. It is good. Mm-hmm. That's what it everybody is. should be doing. Exactly. I wish I was doing that again. Still this week.
0: Oh, I know. You guys I are know. so cute.
1: Oh well. It's fun getting out there, but then, you know, I get in trouble for not having shows, but this is a good show to, to come back with. But it's really neat because I do get a lot of people asking about Skinwalker, and uh, I I don't know so much about, you know, what's going on now. So it's, it's really fun and interesting to hear that uh, the area still has uh, activity going on.
0: It does, and I think it's something that people need to be aware of. And like I said, I I hope that people can, you know, listening to your show will realize that there is somebody out here who's really dedicated to researching that and also providing kind of a sounding board for people that are experiencing things that they can't quite understand Mm -hmm. because that's important too.
1: Yeah. So um, it has a history, right? Going back some time of, of strange occurrences.
0: It does. And it's, you know, you have a lot of the Native American legend and the the lore associated with that. It was interesting because it wasn't really a a place that was occupied uh, by the Native Americans. But when Brigham Young came rolling into town, he decided that he was going to kind of scout out the areas that he wanted and stake his claim. And he Lincoln, from what I understand, was not too happy with regards to this, and he he said, you know, I, yeah, that could have been a big debacle, but I, it barely, luckily for the Mormon Church, it wasn't. But he ended up taking some of the the tribal members up to this area mm-hmm. and relocating them. And you know, you have the the Native American the reservations up there of the Ute Indians, and you also have a lot of their oil fields in this area and again i've got another contact who can't who we all, we'll always keep in touch with him and he works out in the oil fields, and it is very commonplace for everyone out there to see unidentified objects really yeah wow and again it's like well there's the ufo again
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know what do you do you you have to Go about your life. Who do you report it to? What would they do? And then how would that affect your family? And
1: mm-hmm. is it mostly like uh, lights moving strangely that they report?
0: You know, they're out there during the day a lot of times, wow. so they do report. You know, he's has reported solid craft. Mm-hmm. That you, and, and so, and then you do get the lights um, behaving strangely different things. He's he's an interesting person and and he's somebody who has multi generations. He's got his mother and his grandmother that have had abduction experiences. And so I went up to that area about a year and a half ago and did an investigation and sat down with the grandmother and the mom for a couple days and just videotaped their statements, uh, went to different locations with him. We went out by the oil fields. And it was a, an incredible experience for me as an investigator and for their whole family.
1: Mm-hmm. Would you say then uh, that area by the ranches is one of the major hotspots in Utah? Absolutely. Would it be the biggest hotspot?
0: You know, I think that, oh, my gosh, we have a couple that I can think of. And uh-huh. I think I think Salt Lake oh, yeah. is a hot spot. I really, really do. I mean, mm-hmm. I know the majority of the reports that we get are in the Salt Lake Valley. You know, we had that mass sighting that you and I talked about a couple years ago mm-hmm. where we had these large uh, or the white spheres hovering over the NSA and in that area for a considerable amount of time in the world's you know, most restricted airspace. It was a fascinating case. And so we, we see that here as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the city's another hot spot. Well, very interesting. Well, really cool. So yeah. where uh, is the best place for people to find uh, about what you're working on?
0: So I have a website, and I'll be posting different articles and then updates on my radio shows. This uh, week I get to talk to Ted Rowe, which I'm so excited about. When mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you know, Ted, and he's NARCAP is such an important organization yeah. with regards to really credible scientific research. And so UFO Classified is dot com is the website, and then of course my Facebook page. You can always find me on Facebook.
1: <laughs> yep. Perfect. Yep. That's where I keep up to date.
0: Well, you know, you got to love Facebook. I'm telling you. Sometimes it's a little, you know, a little negative, but I try to.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it's best to uh, (laughs) ignore the comments and just, uh, or at least from people you don't know.
0: Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I will, I am so excited for the new opportunities that I have, and I definitely will still be involved as you know like i said a move on field investigator and then i will be doing putting together a team of people that you know my assistant state director is going to be working with me he also resigned and so we're working together to really do some good research and people can find out about us on on facebook and message me at ufoclassified.com
1: all right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the the show and sharing this amazing case with us.
0: Yeah. And I will keep you updated. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to people about it because this is important and it needs to be out there. So thank you.
1: Yeah, I think it does. I'm, I'm going to write something up uh, and then I want to keep everybody updated. So yeah, thank you so much for your work on this because uh your work and, uh, you know, everyone else uh, that was part of your team there in Utah keeping after this. I mean, that's incredible that you were able to uh, take this kind of what was hearsay from a trusted source on your end and then uh, do some legwork to, to verify it um, and to show that it, it was an event that actually happened. And uh, and that's incredible. I think that is so cool. That's what, uh, you know, UFO investigations all
0: about. It's, thank you. It is it's it's a cool thing and I I hope everybody can, you know, just not don't dismiss things. You know, you have to really dig into this and that's how we're going to make great change in this mm-hmm. field.
1: Yep, exactly. So great work and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to Erica for joining us on the show. That's an amazing case. So Uh, I'll put some links on the show notes, so be sure to check that out as to where you can get some more information on this case. I also plan on writing a story. That's one of the reasons I talked to Erica is just so uh, she can help give me some information about the case so I can get started on that. So I'll have a story up at openminds.tv soon. Speaking of UFO news and UFO stories, if you go to openminds.tv, you'll find all the news that Martin and I were talking about at the beginning of the show, including the story on Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers quarterback, who's getting so much news about his UFO sighting. But uh, there's also a lot of great news. We'll have a UFO report up on Friday also on our YouTube channel. So you can check that out. If you haven't seen it, we also have kind of a cool another little uh, video we're doing on our Facebook and uh, YouTube. Just these really short little vignettes on UFO sightings from some of the cool pictures that we have in our archives. So check out uh, those when you get a chance. Also, if you're not on our email list, you really should be because we give you updates on everything going on, including updates on the UFO Congress. So, you know, when stuff goes on sale, uh, such as tickets or what have you, or news and information about that, we update people, but also all of these stories. So, you know, sometimes we get busy in our lives and we're not uh, checking stuff out. You can get an email that we send out uh, pretty much bi weekly, and we'll update you on all the latest so you can get up to speed on stuff, uh, including these radio shows. Because, unfortunately, at least, you know, because of my vacation and the conference. You know, we've been a little irregular on uh, the times we've been getting these shows out, but we will be more consistent with shows now that everything's, we're back from vacations and what have you. Uh, We've already got an interview and everything scheduled, so we'll have a show up at the regular time, Monday, next week. So uh, thank you all for hanging in there with us, and thank you all for listening so much. Uh, you know we greatly appreciate it. Uh, one thing I also wanted to mention about the UFO Congress is as soon as we get back, luckily me being ga- uh, gone gave Michael, our video editing guy, some time to remaster. All of the conference DVDs, and he just goes in there, does a little bit of editing if there's any mistakes, uh, make sure the audio is all fixed, uh, fixes that up. So all of the DVDs have been remastered of the lectures at the 2016 UFO Congress. You can find that at our store, which uh, you'll find a link to that at OpenMinds.tv. Also we uh, have our video portal and we're really beefing this up. So we are getting ready for our video portal. We, <clears throat> we already have dozens of videos up there, including uh, the B- Bob Lazar lecture from last year, the George Knapp lecture from last year, a lot of different lectures up there. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna have every uh, UFO Congress lecture for the last five or six years up on this video portal in the coming weeks. and um, So that's gonna happen very quickly and very soon here. So we already have a ton of great content. We're gonna start loading the new lectures from this latest conference, and then we're gonna load all of the the videos. We're able to get those ready. So this video portal is a big deal. I mean, for just a few bucks a month, you can become a member and you'll have access to all of these videos to watch them anytime you want. There is also the ability just to rent one at a time uh, to be able to watch one. You know, I think a rental is like a day or two, so you can watch it and, and that's it if you wanted to or uh, you have the chance to to pay a little more to actually download the video if you like so uh, you can do all of those and it's only a couple bucks for each of these things so really the best deal though is just to pay about as much as you can for renting uh, some of these videos or for downloading them just to do the monthly where you have access to everything um, and you can watch them at your leisure. We're going to have dozens and dozens of videos up very soon. We're going to be loading tons and tons of videos up there because, of course, streaming is the way to go. Uh, people are always asking, and we want to be- make sure that uh, we have uh, people have access to these videos um, so that they can watch them because that's what the lecture's about. I mean, it's one thing to have these guys speak to a crowd, and, uh, you know, be able to share their information and their research with a group, a crowd of people. But it's even more important, you know, to get this information out to as many people as possible. Some people ask, well, why don't you put it up there for free? But you know what, people? Come on. What do you get out there? Okay, you all have jobs, right? What if at your work you started offering everything for free? You wouldn't have your job for very long. And if we started offering everything for free we wouldn't be able to exist. So it literally costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to keep Open Minds running, of which we make some money off of the DVDs and and the conference, but not enough to cover all of our expenses. So luckily, you know, my boss is um, really into the topic and he's willing to spend some money uh, each month to keep Open Minds, a lot of money each year to keep Open Minds running to get this information out. Uh, And we already have tons. And as you know, we already have tons of free material. I mean, our daily news updates, our Open Minds UFO report, and this radio show are all free and open to the public. So, uh, you know, if you appreciate all of this, we're not asking you to donate anything. The best way you can support us is just by going to the video portal, paying a few dollars, to watch a video or to join the monthly and watch some videos every month Um, and that's that's like a ton of help for us that really helps us out a lot and you get something for it you get access to tons of amazing talks and when I mean amazing talks Emily Trim you know the witness to uh, the Ruwa encounter her talk was just breathtaking I mean People were just—you've uh, heard from a lot of people, including Martin, about what a great moment that was. Of course, being able to see Jacques Vallée talk about um, and just to see him in person, to see what he's like and and you know uh, what he's up to these days, and to see his genuine interest in this this field um, still exists. But uh, just a number of other, you know, Chase Kletzky, who we've had on the show, um, the. The latest on the Puerto Rico case, uh, the Homeland Security case. Of course, we've had those guys on the show, but you get to hear some updates on that. And you get to see some videos they put together to show you, um, you know, some behind the scenes on the investigation. Just a number of I I could go down the list, but just a lot of really, really cool stuff that is really going to floor you. And I think that you're going to feel like, you know, for the little bit that you're going to pay, uh, even one of these videos will make up for it when you just get your mind blown by some of what's presented. So anyway, video portal you can also find at OpenMinds.tv. Otherwise, also follow us on Twitter at Open Minds TV and on Facebook, Open Minds Production. We also have our Open Mind UFO News closed group, but that doesn't mean you can't become a part of it. In fact, it means please do become a part of it go to open mind ufo news just request to join the group and you'll be added the only reason it's a closed group is so that we can kick out the trolls yay troll free down with the trolls down with the trolls so yeah any of these people who just come online uh as we see too much just to be total jerks uh you know it's nice to have a place that is jerk free (laughs) so um that that's uh a great forum it's really cool place to be able to discuss some of the ufo news that we post on a daily basis i definitely also want to thank again as usual caleb hanks who came up with the opening and close music this guy is awesome you can go to the clerk chronicles to find out more about him there is a link on the radio page to his site Uh, At OpenMinds.TV, if you want more, I get people asking periodically, Hey, where do I find that music? At The Clerk Chronicles, you'll find access to all of his music for free. He lets you download it for free. I think he's immensely talented. Uh, You probably know his brother, Michael Hanks, who does a a podcast called The Graylian Report. I also want to thank Martin, of course, for helping me out with the news at the beginning of the show. He does podcast UFO. Uh, you can just Google that and find him. Also, the link to the charity for leukemia, for children with leukemia, I'm going to post that link uh, along with this show, along with uh, information about Erica and, and her uh, uh, and the investigation into this case. But um, yeah, all of that's going to be posted uh, so you can help support uh, the organization at Martin. Also, you know, speaking of martin doing the support he's shaving his head like he said so if you want to see the video or picture of him with a shaved head be sure to check out our facebook as well but most of all i want to thank you the listeners thank you so much for listening um it's just wonderful to meet you all at the conference or other places where we're able to uh see you and and it's just fun to you know see people from all across the country or all across the world and and to actually meet the people listening to the show I, i just love it uh and it's also fun to meet you virtually online so it's fun to um you know interact with all of you uh on the facebook or uh in twitter or or elsewhere in uh the interwebs as they are called but thank you all so much for listening we'll talk to you next week people adios muchachos